Hello and welcome to the Agile Planet podcast. My name is Mandar Kulkarni and I am the host of this podcast. I will be interviewing the agile experts from all over the world, taking the pulse of the planet agile. Hope you enjoy it. Thank you for joining. Welcome to another episode of the Agile Planet. Today, our guest is coming to us from Europe. Her name is Silvana Vasitova, and Silvana is an enterprise agile coach. I know Silvana for more than 15 years when I just started my career in Silicon Valley in 2005. And Silvana has been great help to give me a boost in giving me a lot of opportunities in the local chapter of PMI Silicon Valley. And from there, we have came to this point. And when I thought of this uh, interview and episode, her name came to my mind as a first name. With that introduction, I would welcome Silvana to join uh, this Agile Planet podcast and then uh, request her to give her introduction in detail and then we'll take it from there one by one. Thank you, Mandar. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. So, Silvana, uh, I just gave you a very brief one-liner introduction, but tell us more about you, what you are doing these days, what is the role, what kind of industry you are in, what kind of company it is. You don't have to take any particular name. We will like to protect the privacy, but we would like to understand the ecosystem in which you are working. Sure. I, as you said, I'm Enterprise Agile Coach. I am an external coach to companies, so I work with uh, several companies usually. And uh, my Agile journey started in 2005 when we met. That that was when uh, I attended the Scrum Master training. And these days I coach large corporations, uh, 10,000 people, uh, 5,000 people in their agile journey. So agile adoption or uh, defining what processes they want to use or how to work. And uh, my coaching is at uh, the many levels uh, ranging from coaching other scrum masters, other agile coaches, managers, product owners, and uh, C-levels within the company. Mm-hmm. Okay. Currently, I'm residing in Switzerland, and my, my clients are anywhere, uh, mostly all over Europe, but some in Asia and other places as well. Hmm. Okay, so it is not a single company where you work, but you have a background coming from various, various big, big size companies. And um, the number of people that you talked about is really, really large, like in thousands of people that you are coaching. So- Absolutely. And in fact, when, when we met, uh, when my Agile journey started, uh, I started with Yahoo uh, at that time, 
was about uh, 10 to 12,000 people. And I started as a Scrum Master in one particular group, development group for one particular product. And then within my five years uh, at Yahoo, I moved to several different teams and different products uh, with uh, co-located teams, distributed teams. So already then, uh, starting in California, I uh, had the pleasure of working with teams who had members residing in Northern California and in Southern California, and then later on uh, in teams that had that were Europe-based, but uh, six cities in five European countries, and then later on with uh, Yahoo Switzerland. So yes, I started with teams within large companies, but of course with agility, you, you work with a, with a team to begin with. And uh, the one thing that became evident since 2005 until uh, my work now is when the change is happening at the enterprise level, it's one thing to be working with the teams, but then within the enterprise itself and how the inter-team communication and collaboration is established and how to make that work and then what policies are at the company level to facilitate those kinds of collaborations. All of that makes a difference. So it's easy to do the work at the team level, easy, relatively, but there's still work (laughs) to be done. But then the collaboration among the teams and throughout the, the whole enterprise that's when it gets really, um, that's where many surprises may lie. Sure, sure. So here uh, is coming to the um, point that since you have worked in many different organizations and grown from a role of a scrum master to uh, the role of agile coach and enterprise agile coach, um, what my uh, question to you is, in these companies, whenever you have worked, you must have implemented various flavors of Agile, right? From plain, simple uh, Scrum and Kanban to some large level frameworks like SAFE. And my real interest is to find out all these bookish or all these theoretical information that we learn when we do some certifications or some classes, but when we actually go into implementation, you need to do lot many tweaks and tuning so that the organization adopts it without much resistance. Of course, there will be resistance that we all understand, but that resistance will be smoothened or slowly at least you should be able to, you are able to convince people that this is the right thing to do. So can you give us some of those examples, maybe from one, maybe from multiple companies, that what kind of tweaks and tuning you did in the standard recommended processes, and then it had slowly given you the success? I I don't think there is one recipe. I <laughs> if there is one, I haven't found it. I I actually don't believe there is one. Uh, there are uh, 
organizations and consultants who who sell particular solutions. Mm-hmm. I I don't believe that is work. Not in my 15 years, I have not seen that. So the typical thing is the organization needs to uh, decide what it, what it really wants. When it says we want agile, what does that really mean? And having a good understanding of what they really mean uh, sets the tone and the pace for everything else. Uh, there are organizations who want the buzzword and mm-hmm. don't want the empowered people, empowered team members. Uh, there are organizations with middle and high level managers who want to make all the decisions and have all the controls and not be trusting their teams or their product owners to make decisions, then uh, that's going to be a different kind of agile than than what you have in organizations that embrace all of that. So uh, the reason I say there is no one, one answer is depending on the a leadership team and the culture of the organization, you will get a different flavor. Uh, there is no one approach or one framework that really works. If I am to say which one I, I keep on coming back to, I keep on coming back to uh, scaling from the perspective of Scrum of Scrums or uh, uh, Scrum at scale uh, approaches from Jeff Sutherland. Uh, obviously, there are many teams that do Kanban instead of Scrum. But then again, the, the decision at scale, uh, my preference is to use the Scrum at scale model. But even there, it's not, uh, it's not the one solution, the one recipe uh, that has worked everywhere. And plus, I started uh, working on agile transformations before Scrum at scale was formulated and made available uh, at large. So uh, it's always, as, as a consultant or external coach, it's always a question of what are the, the real goals and objectives of that particular agile transformation and help my client achieve that. Mm. Obviously. So the point you mentioned some time back that the organizations have different kind of agenda. It could be very genuine agenda that yes, we want to take the advantage of agile methodology, process, philosophy. And the other side, you have the teams who just want to focus on the buzzword. So here is my question. Whenever you start interacting with those team enterprise or higher level people who make the decisions which side we want to go to how do you how do you try to gauge which side they are whether they are really genuinely interested or whether they just want to have the buzzwords how do you do that uh, it's it's asking the same questions i i articulated 5 minutes ago the same questions what do you want to achieve what do you want to get when you say you want agile, what do you, what does that mean to you? Uh, what do you really uh, see as as the benefits, and and what pain points do you have? And then based on all of those answers, then there is a range of we can go this far or this far or this far. What do you really want? And and sometimes 
the answer the answer changes over time. So mm. at the initial meeting, the their, their level of understanding of agility and my level of understanding of the organization are at certain point. And then we collaborate over several months and then our individual understandings change and our mutual understanding of the common goals shifts. That's actually quite typical. And then mm-hmm. after that shift, we say, okay, how much further do we want to go? And... Uh, uh, what often happens is after six months, the client and uh, the, the managers see some results. Mm. And oftentimes it's good results. It's results that they like or they, they like which way it's going. And then it's a question of, okay, how much more? And uh, do we step on the gas? Do we continue at our pace? Uh, sometimes the expectation is let's move faster uh, but then uh, that uh, moving faster very much depends on the capacity of individuals and individual teams to observe, to adapt, to change, and even our capacity as coaches, whether it's me, myself, or a team of coaches to help guide them to uh, more quickly absorb and uh, uh shift to the agile ways of working. And then it also depends on how different that way of working is from their current way of working. So all of that, um, uh, so to answer your question, what questions and how do we do it? We do it by collaborating and checking periodically. Uh, are we still on the same path? Are we still on this, with the same understanding? And do we want something else? I don't typically come in with saying this is the brand of agility that you should want and that Mm -hmm. I'm selling uh, because that is usually counterproductive. I typically come in with what do you want to achieve and let's look at the options on how to get there. Mm. So you are very much pragmatic coach instead of dogmatic. That is what the typical I, I, differentiation. People use, people use these words, but uh, <laughs> uh, you know you can be dogmatic in your pragmatism as well. So I, I don't yeah. like the label. I, I yeah. do say that I work with the client to help them achieve their goal as much uh, as the client is ready or their teams are ready. Then we use agile principles to get there and agile ways of working. That's right. That's right. So uh, the, the the situation that you were um, describing that after six months, organizations start seeing the result, and then how much more that that kind of question comes in. But I believe six months is um, not a standard period, right? So early organization, depending on how quickly they mature, this six months period must be getting elongated or shortened. Uh, to whatever extent. So, in your opinion, what is the reasonable time to expect that the organization matures to the point where they say that, oh, we are seeing good results and now we want to think about what more? It's six months standard or it's all over the place? As I said before, there is no one answer. So, Mm -hmm. for example, I worked with one client that had a 
development team of maybe 30 people and the whole company was under 200, within two months they saw results, right? Mm. Well, 30 people, that's uh, easy enough to do the trainings and and the, the coaching and they, in fact, that, that in that particular case, even my coaching was reasonably lightweight. I was on site every single day and uh, uh, we did, uh, we did, we agreed on specific milestones when we would check in, when I would come and answer questions and guide them some more. And after two months, they were the ones who were saying, wow, this is incredible. This is so much better than before. Uh, but then it's an organization of uh, 30 developers and less than 200 people. And if you have something bigger, once you get to... Uh, a thousand person organization or 5,000 organization, then, you know, within two months, you can expect a certain set of results, but it's not going to cover the whole thing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yep. Sure. Um, we, we talk about um, uh, generally whenever agile kind of a transformation starts, so we talk about having a very strong support from the top level of the organization. Um, the management, the leadership. Sure. And at the same time, what I believe is um, support from the top level can do only this much. You need to augment that from bottom up as well, preparing Absolutely. the team. Yeah. So I would like to know the techniques with which you make this two-sided approach, getting the cooperation from the top and preparing the team from the bottom. How do you do that? Uh, so it's it's the same question of what do we want to achieve? That's the conversation with with the leadership, and and then how do we want to get there? And agreeing on a plan, and then breaking that plan into execute, executable actions. And then the same conversation with the teams of this is where the organization wants to go. Do you think it's reasonable? Because they, uh, the team members uh, may have some thoughts around that. And assuming yes, then uh, let's go there. And we've been asked to try Agile, so let's give it a go. And uh, let's see how it goes. And after two months, if you don't like it, we can adjust some things. Or I give them the option of we can abandon it altogether if it really doesn't work. I have personally not had a team uh, that tried Scrum or Kanban completely stop it. But I, I hear about teams that have had that experience. Um, has not happened to me uh, or the teams that I've worked with directly. So mm -hmm. the conversation still needs to happen. And then, you know, how do you start Scrum or how do you start Kanban? You do it. You start with doing it. And uh, with one team in particular, I gave them a short introduction in the morning. And then we worked on the product backlog in the afternoon. And the next day they started sprinting. And wow. after two weeks or three weeks, then we do retrospective. We see how it worked, what needs adjusting. We do that. We commit to doing that. 
and we go again. And after two months, you see whether this is getting us somewhere or not. Now, what happens within the first two months is uh, uh, it's uncomfortable, especially if it's a big change from the way the team was working. So being there or even not being there, not being there full time, but being there sometime to answer questions, to uh, ease their discomfort, uh, that is usually helpful. But the only, the only way to get to agility is doing agility. Mm. And then being agile is the, uh, as the mantra says, you don't want to just do agile, you want to be agile. But the way to being is by doing. Uh, do you do you believe making the teams undergo a formal training in agile or you provide them the bare minimum conceptual training for agile whether it's a scrum or kanban and then you get going what's your what's your overall philosophy of providing enough education before making them jump into the waters so there is no one answer. I've done the whole range. I spoke about this one team where we did minimal training half day. Uh, most of the time, it's a good idea to do the complete uh, two-day training. But sometimes that's not available. Sometimes it is. Sometimes it's expected. Sometimes it's not expected. But uh, that they want angels. So we find a way to to do that. So uh, it's, all a, it's all customizable to how the organization wants to proceed. Uh, in ideal situation, do the full training and do the full training for everyone, for team by team by team. Uh, so they get the message at the same time and they get going at the same time. They have their questions and then they can support each other. Uh, that would be ideal. But uh, we don't always live in the ideal world. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, in my experience while working an agile coach, I have seen in general the organization or the teams, really speaking, having a significant amount of resistance to change because what I have noticed is most of the companies who adopt agile, they are bringing their their teams who have been traditional project management, which is generally characterized with command and control. And um, changing that resistance into cooperation is the very first challenge for any coach, in addition to getting buy-in from the top executives. I would like to uh, learn from some of your experiences that how you handle those resistances. Um, they vary, the approaches vary, but if there is one thing that, uh, that I can generalize on, and that is to say, we try it, and if something doesn't work, we change it. And that's, inspect and adapt is a basic tenet of agility. So it's, it's not wrong to say, we try it. 
And then when, when I say we try it, we give it a, a good try. We don't just do the surface trying or pretend mm. trying because then you don't get the results. And then you can't really base decisions on some uh, artificial uh, going through the motions without doing it. So we, if I'm involved, then we say, okay, we, we give it a good try. If after two months we see that it's really not helping us in any way, then uh, uh, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll change it or we'll do something else. I mm. give that option, but uh, let's give it an honest effort. Mm. And, uh, you know, the typical, the typical changes that uh, get recommended during retrospectives are usually in the spirit of we are doing this, but we want to do it better. And so we tweak small, small, small uh, aspects of how the team works. And if the team sees that, yeah, this is uh, the next sprint, that they, this is better, then uh, typically uh, that eases uh, some of the resistance. And some people get convinced in two weeks and some people get convinced at six months. Uh, mm. there, is, mm. there is no one answer that works for the whole population of... Sure, sure. Yeah. Um, there is a plethora of frameworks, and you mentioned one of them, Chromat Scale. Um, have you tried using any other frameworks, and what have been your experiences about other frameworks other than Chromat Scale? Sure, I have. Uh, I have studied. I've, you know, taken the courses for for Less and Safe and and Kanban and. Uh, uh, as I said, Scrum at Scale is my go-to uh, even then. It's not the whole thing uh, because I've been uh, helping Agile transformations before Scrum and Scale was formulated. Um, uh, less is quite good for one development goal that has multiple teams and the coordination across teams. Uh, I, I'm familiar with SAFE. It is not something that I recommend or introduce to my, to my clients. Uh, I've had one client who really, really wanted it. And I did not think it was appropriate for what they needed. And mm. I told them so. And then we uh, constructed some some um, uh, derivative of SAFE for, for their purposes. I still think it was overkill for what they needed, but that's what they wanted. And mm. yeah, so I helped them with what they wanted and how they wanted to work because they wanted more control than, than, uh, than what would be my preference, for example. And so that's, uh, that's the model that the client wanted. And uh, it was actually quite um, uh, quite interesting because it, it was really um, safe was really an overkill for what they needed. But <laughs> if they, they want I can advise, and I don't make decisions. A very interesting um, feature of your experience, in my opinion, is you have worked in U.S. and you have also worked in Europe. And, and these Asia. two, 
Oh, and Asia as well. Okay, I was not aware of that. That's a great uh, thing to know. I would really like to compare your experiences in all these three places because I believe the cultures in all these three places are completely different. Uh, do you agree? And would you like to give us some comparison about that? There is there is some slight cultural difference, but actually, uh, the biggest difference is at the at the human level. Mm-hmm. There is a huge spectrum of an individual's ability and willingness to embrace change, mm-hmm. and that huge spectrum at the human individual human level. Mm-hmm. That's the same in U.S., in Europe, in Asia. There are people who are ready to, and gung ho to do something new, and then there are the ones who wants to who want to see results of somebody else before they even try. And that mm-hmm. happens everywhere. Uh, the one thing that can be generalized is, oh, Europe adopted agility much later than the U.S. Well, yes, it is much later, but it started in us so it's not it's not really the culture of whether we want to start or not it's it started there uh, i mean by the time we met in 2005 uh, the agile manifesto was already 4 years old and uh, mm-hmm. there were people doing scrum already for 7 8 years and uh, i was just getting started at that point and then i come i came to europe and the last 10 years, I'm helping organizations and it's always helping them get started. Uh, or they have already started and they need to keep going, but they're not yet fully uh, self-generating in their agile thinking and working and they still need assistance. So I, I may come at that point. So we can say, oh, it came later, but it's also later because this is not the birth place of mm-hmm. agile thinking. Or actually, uh, this is not true because uh, uh, Kent Beck was in Europe to begin with and he started with extreme programming and that was already uh, practiced, if not well known in Europe. And to this day, it's still practiced and not as well known as uh, Scrum and Kanban, for example. But uh, it's something that started in Europe. So there are some cultural differences, uh, but there are more cultural differences between sectors. Uh, so, for example, I worked with uh, Skype, and and Skype was acquired by Microsoft, and there was a cultural difference within Skype, and then within Skype inside Microsoft, and the other parts of Microsoft that did not include Skype. Mm. And that, uh, you know, it still is uh, the same organizations, Okay, the individuals are different. There is some difference in how the age of the company and how the company got started and the culture within within those subgroups. So there are more differences that way. <clears throat> Even in Europe, there are startups who are willing to test and try and experiment uh, as much as the US startups. And then there are established banking and insurance companies, and they want to proceed with caution. So I see it more as industry differences than than uh, uh, country related differences. Country related differences. Okay. Okay. Um, 
we are almost talking about uh, 30 minutes by now with the time flies quickly uh, i really would like to ask you that um, now you are enterprise agile coach that is considered as a pretty senior level position so my question to you is a person who really wants to become or take the path of being an agile coach what three key ingredients or few top key ingredients the person should have to really become a successful agile coach be it as a team level be it as a enterprise level uh, can you can you guide us on that sure so the starting point is is really servant leadership and mm -hmm. and then getting as much experience and variety of experience as you can and as much education and variety of education as you can so a typical path is uh, somebody starts a scrum master for one or two teams and then they gain more experience by being a scrum master or even coaching different types of teams maybe different types of industries uh, bigger variety more challenges and with that their level of expertise and and uh, their comfort zone grows so similar to uh, flight hours for pilots in in the case of scrum masters and agile coaches i really uh, look at how much they've done how much experience they have and mm -hmm. whether it was uh, in true spirit of agility or or the uh, agile labels and and uh, uh, in name only and uh, my recommendation is to get more and uh, some simple ways to to get more exposure is attending uh, conferences or agile coach camps and hearing other people's practices and then getting inspired with that and trying it with your team or on your own or in whatever context you can do uh, i encourage people to even apply agility in context of uh, volunteer organizations just mm. to give it a try, just to actually see it in action. Because it's one thing to read it in a book or to read some, to hear somebody else's experience, but until you've done it, it's not, it's not under your skin. So mm. get as much experience as possible. Okay, okay. And a real personal question. <laughs> Being in US for almost 23 years now, and understanding what U.S. work culture is and um, whether successful or not, but I have survived in this culture. I have a dream of coming to uh, Europe and work there for a few years. What would you guide me uh, to do or not to do? What would I guide you <laughs> from U.S. to Europe? Um, uh, well, it does depend on what you'll be doing so what what company what industry and to observe that and adjust to that culture so if you're in a startup in europe you can probably still show up in jeans and and uh, have an informal working environment 
if it's a, a banking or insurance company, you probably need to dress up some more and mm. be somewhat more formal. And all of that, and that's true in the U.S. as well, you look at your colleagues, you uh, you see how they dress, how they greet each other, how they behave uh, towards each other. And when in Rome, do as the Romans do. Uh, so, for example, one of the things one of the things that I noticed when I uh, first started working in Europe is that when we would start uh, an online uh, meeting, I'd be ready to jump into the agenda. And my European colleagues would, and you know, this is during our stand-up phone call, and my European colleagues would start with "Good morning," mm-hmm. "Good morning, morning, everybody," and I would feel like, oh, but that takes an extra two, three seconds. That is not contributing <laughs> information to our common goal of today. But this is the culture of we greet everyone. Uh, this was the, the group where we uh, where we would do that. And a uh, good morning in whatever language, actually most of the time we spoke English. So saying good morning is longer than saying hi in my typical uh, <laughs> California team. So that was something that I needed to be more patient, not because this was an unusual requirement. It's just that's not how we work there, but this is how we work here. And this is the culture that I was entering into. So this is what I would adjust into. Those mm. kinds of little things. But those are the things where um, that either makes or breaks a team is how well do we work together and how well do we fit in with each other? Mm. Okay. So you are, your emphasis is more on getting along with the people and team's culture than anything related to specific work, as, as I understand. Well, I, I would more. introduce, yeah, I would introduce what the agile uh, concepts and principles are, but it's still the successful adoption depends on the individuals embracing it. And if I'm antagonistic about it or... Uh, brush people the wrong way, then uh, it's not likely to go very far. Oh, okay. Great, great. Thank you so much, Silvana. Really appreciate your being guest on my podcast. And I, I really want to thank you and hope to see you again after maybe a few episodes uh, to share with you what we have learned and again tap your vast experience. Thank you sure. so much. Best wishes. Hope you enjoyed this episode. Please like, share and subscribe to this podcast and to this YouTube channel. Thank you.